His code name was Machiavelli, like mine is Simon. And if you know the story of Machiavelli, he faked his own death. But at the same time, you know, they wanted to put Pac back in prison. And Pac would fake his own death and disappear before he go back to prison. So shit, you answer that. Do you still hear him? Do you still see him? I'm quite sure you do. But once again, I ain't in the telling, so you never know. <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and Ron. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Sick and Ron, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your host, E. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hiya. Kate Rambo. Did yes. gangsta rap play a major role in your formative years? In a way, it did, yeah. It did? Like, so in the 90s, were you a big gangsta yeah. rap fan? I was a huge Mariah Carey fan. And because of that, <laughs> She's I not listened gangsta to a rap. lot of ODB. Okay, no, ODB, ODB. Wu-Tang, I can understand that. And he did that amazing remix with her. But was like the Chronic, an album everybody listened to when you were in, I guess you would have been young. So, like, but when you're in junior high. Yeah, I was like 10. Or primary school, were people listening to them? Were people bumping (laughs) the Chronic? No. Nothing but a G thing? Or Snoop No, it was a. Definitely a lot of electronic music was still really popular at the time. And then along came Oasis and Blur. And I was still like just rocking out to Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. Who knows what miracles you but, can achieve. But people must have been listening to, you know, the hip hop of America. Like I'm sure Wu-Tang, Tupac, Biggie. Aren't, were, did that music make it over there in the 90s? Or was it Co- later? Yeah, of course it fucking did. But I was 10. So okay, so you weren't listening years, to people it. People who were 16, yeah, but like I definitely know that it was hugely popular. And then I started listening to it because I think like all white people around the age of 16 discovered the Wu, and that's your gateway drug. It's the Wu-Tang Clan. I actually, every time I've been to see the Wu-Tang Clan, you look around and it's just white, white people my age in the they crowd. The Wu-Tang? Yeah, I can imagine. Good, yeah, rapping along. Best protect your neck, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just find it funny hearing just people with like posh English accents um, singing, you know. Yeah. Um, what, what's that dog shit song by Wu-Tang? You know that one? Yeah. <laughs> Love that song. See, the, the rap of my people, of the white people, is obviously the Bloodhound Gang. And I feel very safe and like cuddled within That's the Bloodhound Gang. I'm like, yeah. this, is, this is the rap for me. But well, I can understand you... why white people would be into that. It's like white jokey rap. But I'm talking about the hardcore gangster rap, talking about like capping fools and picking up hoes. This is my, yeah, I basically got introduced to a lot of it through either old school hip hop, which I love, or GTA. GTA was yeah, a GTA big introduction a to me. That into like a lot of rap and me you remember when we were bumping uh the chronic that's in, in the prius of... in long beach <laughs> <laughs> the two whitest people in long beach listening. in a prius you, in a, you didn't even know pre- that's one of my favorite memories <laughs> yeah i was surprised you didn't even know a lot of those songs but you know it was weird with me because i was in high school when that came out and it was a huge hugely influential record i mean it was it was 
everybody played it. Everybody, every white kid in suburban Michigan was driving around bumping, you know, nothing but a G thing. It put Snoop Dogg on the map. And then, you know, shortly after that came uh, like Tupac and Biggie and, and all that. And Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang was around the same time, like 92, 93. I think Chronic predated it by a couple of years. And before that was NWA, which... Yeah, I've never been able to get into NWA. I like like a couple of their songs, but like out of all of them, the one that I've always been really into has been Biggie. Yeah, like Biggie, there's Biggie's something just so rapper. sexual about Biggie Smalls that the other guys so just don't have. Yeah, so talented. But the thing is with Easy E and like and NWA and all that, like that was that was gangster rap. I mean, that was like offensive and blew parents' minds and people were like, This has gotta be banned. As so I remember I I had just moved to the country, that just came out, and I was like, This is this music speaks to me. I'm all about straight out of Compton. <laughs> Like I, I was so into it, and then I well, think as it was, an African, I can see why. Yeah, you know, I mean, I grew up in South Africa, and it's the music really kind of it was the music of my people, and so then <laughs> after I would say right around the time Chronic came out, that's when I sort of got into like Slayer, and then I just stopped listening to hip hop. I didn't listen to any. Well, I just wasn't into it. I mean, I still liked I liked Wu Tang. Um, you know, uh, Wu Tang's first record's amazing. And uh, and Wu Tang's actually first three albums are fucking brilliant. Yeah, and I love uh, the RZA Liquid Swords is fucking great and ODB's but that was album. Later. But yeah, that is later. Yeah. But the other reason I like kind of got into rap as well because I think when you're 16 and you first start buying weed and you have to go around to your dealer's house, they always every dealer just like apparently went to the same poster shop and they all had that 50 faces of rap. <laughs> which poster I mean it was like a hand-drawn poster it'd be like the 50 people and like you know there's Tupac and there's Biggie and there's all these other people and there, why was every weed dealer when you're 16 listening to rap all of oh, them are just listening is, to rap and just like pretending to be American well they're trying to be gangster you know I think that that's part yeah, it's of it. funny <laughs> Um, yeah, the 36 Chambers, fucking great record. I love that record. I think awesome. that one, I put that one as influential as, uh, as the Chronic. Um, but the Chronic, what the Chronic did though, is it put West Coast gangster rap on, on the map and introduced the world to Snoop Dogg and definitely changed, you know, hip hop uh, for generations. But at that point for me, like I, I was just metal, black metal, didn't really listen to any of that until like the late nineties. Early 2000s, when uh, I started working at the strip club, you know, I, I figured in my mind that everybody would be dancing to like hair metal and Motley Crue and Poison. They didn't. They danced to um, hip hop, pretty much. R. Kelly for slow songs and, you know, Wu-Tang, Snoop, Dre, Eminem, just all the, all, just pretty much I was going to say rap. Eminem. Oh yeah, Eminem was huge yeah. back then too. Um, and so anyway, that's when I was like kind of forced to really discover this music and listen to this music and download this music and Forced. was yeah, I had to because you you wouldn't be a successful DJ if you didn't have these songs and, you know Ja yeah, Rule ODB's duet with Mariah Carey like all those songs I started you know learn, learn, listening to this music and that's when I developed an appreciation for Biggie Smalls like because I missed all that like in the mid 90s I wasn't listening to like Biggie Smalls you know I'd listen to the chronic because that came out when I was in high school I knew the hits, but I never really, like, I never owned Life After Death. You know, I never really owned any of his music. Same thing with Tupac. I never didn't know shit about Tupac, never really listened to the guy. And then after the strip club and how many times I had to play How Do You Want It, 
or all eyes on me. That's when I was like, okay, yeah, there's something about this guy. And you know, later, the thing I lo- I liked about Tupac, his music's really cheesy. It's overly sentimental, but he Very. writes a lot of songs contemplating his own mortality which a lot of the other rappers didn't do that. A lot of other rappers talked about Cap and Fools, which Tupac did as well. But Tupac had songs like, how long will they mourn me? And it's like, yes, how long will they mourn me? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting the way he would like contemplate this or Dear Mama or Brenda's Got a Baby. <laughs> like Biggie wasn't was rapping poet, about songs like that. Yeah, totally. And, but I mean, it's an, he's an interesting guy. And so recently... I was reading about um, a, a, a new story about Tupac. The guy's been dead for almost, what, three decades? Died in 1996? And nearly 30, 30 years, years later, yeah. they're reopening the investigation into Tupac's death. And you're like, I can't even believe that's a mystery still. Like, no one knows who shot Biggie and Tupac? I mean, it's like, but come we know. on. You haven't yeah. figured that out yet? I mean, there's eyewitnesses. It's like a big open secret. I think we all know how it I plays think so out too. and how it went down. I think it's. But I think it's been covered up. It's getting the evidence. Yeah, I don't think maybe. it's necessarily been covered up. I think it's a mixture of a lot of different things, and I think it's a mixture of there's a lot of dangerous and untrustworthy people who've who have gotten their hands. I think a lot of people had things to gain from the death. So, Biggie and Tupac's deaths are some of the most high-profile unsolved murders. I mean, it's been decades. They still have never, you know, managed to even find people. They've, there's theories, but they've never actually been able to pinpoint the murderers. Um, and it's it's astonishing, you know, especially when there's testimony from eyewitnesses like Dwayne Keith Davis, whose home was recently searched on July 17th by uh, police in Las Vegas. So Davis, who's been a central figure in the case for many years, uh, he said he was in the car from which the gunshots rang out and killed the rapper, who was a passenger in another vehicle with Suge Knight. Tupac was shot four times in a drive-by shooting, uh, September 7th, 1996, in Las Vegas. And there were multiple witnesses to the murder. Um, But yet, and, and even Vegas police were like, oh, this should be totally solvable. Yet, years later, they've had suspects, but there's never been an actual arrest in his murder. And so the case went cold over for years. And just a week and a half ago, Las Vegas police executed a search warrant at the, uh, the home of uh, Dwayne Keith Davis, a.k.a. Kefi D, and then uh, yeah. Henderson, Nevada, which is Henderson's right next to Vegas. Um, and he's made public statements about being in the car that the shots were fired at, at uh, Tupac from. So he's an eyewitness. Like he's seen, he was there. When it happened, he was he was also there when his mate uh, got into the fight with Tupac. Exactly uh, in the uh, it was after Orlando. The, so he was there throughout the whole night. It, Orlando Baby Lane uh, Anderson. Anderson, yeah. Um, so yeah. according to the affidavit, authorities um, obtained an iPhone, desktop computer, four laptops, handful of tablets, uh, a copy of the book Compton Street Legends, which was co-written oh, sweet. by Davis. I'm gonna get that book. Yeah, an issue of Vibe magazine about Tupac and uh, several tubs of photographs along with some purported marijuana. So Davis, um, he co-wrote this book, Compton Street Legends. In the book, he says he was one of three living eyewitnesses to Tupac's murder. 
And he says he was a central figure in the murders of both Shakur and rapper Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Notorious B.I.G., who was shot six months later in another unsolved drive-by that people say is connected to uh, Shakur's killing. And so Davis promises that this book will add valuable information about two of the biggest unsolved crimes in American history. I think he's trying to sell the book. Um, Good and for I think him. He's I over- would, while you're yeah. in the jail cell. But I think he's Definitely overstating, you know, what he knows and how, um, I mean, close he was to, this, the, to the actual murders themselves. But, you know, the LAPD, who have looked into it and have had several um, investigators and detectives look into this case, they've, they've always maintained that the murder was simple retaliation. You mess with one of ours, we'll mess with one of yours. And then popular legend places the blame on East Coast, West Coast hip-hop feud between Biggie and Tupac. And that's something everybody said. Um, they feel that, you know, they were pawns in gang fights between, you know, the, uh, the mob Piru and the Compton Crips, the Crips and the Bloods. And, uh, you know, people, even, you know, um, uh, Tupac's mother has, has felt that, you know, this, this investigation is frustrating because they've never been able to pin it on somebody that she's never had, even up to her death, she never had any sense of closure. And she feels it's been trivialized. Oh, closure's bullshit. Well, she f- feels it's like trivialized by uh, the LAPD and the investigators because they just kind of write it off. You know, it's something. I think she's glossing over the fact that there's a very, very, very influential and very naughty man at the helm of this who oh, easily... So was you know paying off the police but i think we all know who's at the center of this well if you think about it she probably had a lot of money to inherit from tupac's estate from this man and we're going to get into that in a minute um now davis has had an active warrant for his arrest since july 2022 when he skipped the court appearance for a drug charge so i don't know how reliable right (laughs) his testimony would be um he's called himself a shot caller for the Southside Compton Crips. You know, he said he was in the front seat of the Cadillac when his deceased nephew fired those shots. You know, he's never been arrested in connection with the case, but does he know what he's... I mean, do you think they're going to find some evidence and it'll put them closer to solving this murder? Well, that's the question. No, I think it's all to sell papers. So this week, we're going to chat about the murder of uh, Tupac Shakur and the myriad bizarre conspiracies surrounding his death. There are some very bizarre ones out there. Um, Some I find uh, very entertaining and some I just kind of find nauseating. But before we get into all that, let's chat about something much more interesting. The sick and wrong patron. Um, We could use your support now more than ever. I think we mentioned that uh, Kate's in the process of moving here. It's definitely expensive. And... uh, you know, we're kind of using some of the Patreon We want to money. build a studio. Yeah. I know, we'll, we we'll, it'll be the first time we can ever have like a real studio. So we can like set it all up properly. Yeah, that's the, kind of the, the goal. All the money goes back into the show. But the first the yeah. first goal here is to get you here. So once you get, we get you here, then we're going to be able to, you know, um, upgrade to a bigger apartment, build a sick and wrong studio. We've got some big plans. Um, however, I'm going to be out there... In the uh, north of England, actually in London first, then we're heading up the north of England, the last two weeks of August. And we made an announcement on Facebook that uh, we're doing a big meetup at the World's End in Camden uh, for Kate's send-off to L.A. Wait. So that's, that's going to be cool. Saturday, August 19th the dates, at the yes. World's End in Camden. Yeah, definitely save the date. Um, it'd, it'd be fun to party with everybody and 
have a few pints. You never know who shows up. Message. Yeah, you can message us on Instagram or Facebook or like Twitter, whatever you want to like. We'll we're gonna try and get there for seven ish, okay? But D is always late and he will be faffing, so we'll probably get there for eight, eight ish. Yeah. Well, seven I fly to in there. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, but you're you're always perpetually late. It's the oh, the family joke. I've heard it from Stephanie. It gives me palpitations thinking about. We'll be well, there from seven to eight, people. To it's meet called you. fashionably late. That's what it is. Um, we won't be late. <laughs> but people, if you like what we've been doing for over 900 episodes, we just ask you to sign up the Sigmund Patreon and help us uh, keep the show going. It's only a few bucks a month. You get access to a full second show. We do two shows a week. You get access to our second show on the Patreon, um, as well as Apple Podcasts. Uh, this week on Second Show, we chat about uh, JoJo's shitty racist stepdad's funeral. Lots of drama there. Good yeah. for JoJo. Also, a listener sent in a story that happened in West Yorkshire about a woman who killed her boyfriend with an axe. So we're going to get into that. People, it's only $5 I bet a month. You deserved it. Sign up to Patreon, patreon.com slash sick and wrong. For a few bucks more, you get access to Sick and Wrong Overkill, as well as the archives, the first 10 years of Sick and Wrong on SoundCloud. So let me play this quick promo, and then uh, let's chat about what really happened to Tupac, according to the internet. Hey guys, it's Steven again. Just calling from heaven through a miracle of cybernetic processes. Just to say, thanks for creating your Patreon page. I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy Carl Sagan. While we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye. So D and everyone else, the first fact is that at 4.03 p.m. on September the 13th, 25-year-old Tupac Amaru Shakur, he was a dancer, actor, and a rapper. He died in the Wild West gambling town of Las Vegas in the Nevada Medical Center. He had been on the slow decline to shake hands of Lady Death as he had been shot six days earlier in a drive-by shooting just off the main strip of Vegas a few hours after he'd been to see the Tyson-Bruce Selden fight. Shug Knight... Death Row Records King, an all-round bad guy, was there to watch him slip into consciousness, but not before telling the first uh, attending officer on the scene, fuck you, when he asked who shot him. That's my impression of Tupac. Well, Suge Knight was in the car with Tupac when it happened. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he was. But this is like outside when the first officer came over. The officer was like, obviously recognized it was Tupac and was like, tell me who shot you. And Tupac was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I kind of enjoy that. That was his last words, like filled with such hatred. Oh, fuck the police. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Not really, because we, you know, what's really funny is everyone goes, fuck the police. But then when you need the police, you're like, get the police here. <laughs> so Yeah. And then in and LA, you'll have to wait for three hours. But sure. Yes. So we're going to go into who shot him, but this episode isn't going to be just about the war between Defro Records versus Bad Boy or the Bloods versus Crips or Tupac versus Biggie. They're all going to play a part in this episode. If we covered it, it would probably be like a 10 part series. So oh, we're just yeah. going to like dive in and try and like figure out what's myth from legend. And uh, I'll wait for all the angry emails of white men who once had dreads in the 90s to say that we got everything wrong, man. And they know who killed Tupac. Get they your were facts there. straight. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some very there's, angry yeah. white men out there, which is good. I love angering the white men. 
so we're gonna get the boring beginning out of the way. We're gonna warm up the motor. We're gonna gun the Death Mobile to six 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 on the highway to hell. I'm running with this Death Mobile thing. I'm gonna make it my thing now. Yeah, no, you brought thing. this up a couple of shows. Are you referring to my Prius? Is that a Death Mobile? <laughs> the Death Mobile, yes. No, your new car could be the Death Mobile. I kind of like vroom, that. Vroom, vroom. Right. Yeah. I am going to butcher some of these names because, as I said before, I am the whitest girl on this planet. Tupac was born Lezane, Lezanne. You know, I didn't know this. It's a weird one, isn't it? I started researching this topic. I have never heard of that name before. I'm thinking Lezane. I'm L E S A N E. Lezane. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. All right, Lizane Parish Crooks in East Harlem, New York. And on June the 16th, 1971, this means he's a Gemini. So it's already trouble from the get-go, a male Gemini, oh my goodness. His mother is a Afeni Shakur, and she's actually a famous political activist. She's a member of the Black Panther Party. She's arrested in 1969 for apparently plan planning coordinated attacks on police stations and offices in New York. And she actually got pregnant while she was out on bail. And she was acquitted when she defended herself in 1971. She's a very smart lady. I'm going to like put that. She was like in the law profession. She's not dumb. Well, she was part of the, uh, the Panther 21. Like there were 21 members of the Black Panthers yeah. who were applying these coordinated attacks. So uh, Fanny Shakur was born Alice Faye Williams. She changed her name too. Oh. Um, yeah, she See, heard, I could say that. She heard Bobby Seale speak, and then she joined up with the Black Panther Party when they opened an office in Harlem in the uh, late 60s. And there she met Lumumba Shakur, a Sunni Muslim, uh, that she married in November 1968. And then following the marriage, that's when she changed her name to Afini or Afeni Shakur. Before we move on, can I just say the name Lumumba? It's I a like great name, name. Lumumba. She became Lumumba. a section leader of the Harlem chapter and a mentor to like new members of Black Panther Party. And uh, her sister was also on the FBI's most wanted list as well, uh, yeah. Tupac Santi. And so you know they're all a very politically activated family. When he was a year old, uh, Afini changed her son's name from Ozzy to Oscar because she wants him to have a respectable name that could be printed on a keyring in a <laughs> gift shop. Oscar's like I hope the it lamest happens one name day. ever. Oscar's a lovely name. What's your oh, problem so with the name Oscar? It's so Oscar lame. Wilde. Day. Oscar Wilde's cool, but name another cool Oscar. Oscar Wilde is cooler than anyone who's ever lived. So why would I have to name another cool Oscar? You Oscar Wilde's not as cool Wilde. as Ozzy But when you're Osborne. Oscar. But yeah, but he's he's just named Ozzy because his last name is Osborne. That's it. His last name is Osborne. It's not even like like oh wow what a great nickname Ozzy to Osborne so Ozzy Osbourne if you call yourself Oscar you've got the option to call yourself Ozzy the godfather of metal he's cool and to be named after him I think is brilliant but he's not named after him because his name isn't spelled the same he is named after him and I'm changing his name to Ozzy well I wanted to change his name to Oscar and we're going to give Ozzy <laughs> some major personality problems as he gets older <laughs> anyways Afini really changed her son's name to Tupac Amaru, and this is in honor of a Peruvian revolutionary who had been killed by the Spanish in 1783. He's later going to take the surname from Sister Seki... Sekiwaya? <laughs> so why... I'm so sorry. We're going to call her um, Sexy, right? He took his name from that. I don't know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> 
Thank you. She's also an, uh, he was also another member of the Black Panthers, and he's a man called Mutulu Shakur. Tupac's going to grow up without a father, which, oh my God, I could say something really racist here, but I'm just going to avoid it. In fact, he thought his father was dead until he reappeared in his life when he was 23, and he's obviously making a lot of money. Afini, who was a paralegal before she became a crackhead, she raised Tupac and his sister alone. But because of her crack addiction that she gets, they moved to flop houses often. They lived off welfare. And by 1984, they settled where all the crackheads go. They're in Baltimore. I really want to go to Baltimore, though. So um, Afini Shakur's marriage fell apart when it was discovered that Lumumba was not the biological father of her son. (laughs) So she had cheated on her husband with Billy Garland. Who was a who what? was an absentee father? Did barely even played a role in Tupac's life. But yeah, once uh, how can t- you cheat on Lumumba? I know it's a great name. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. But so when Tupac, you know, uh, you know, after started making money, that's when Billy showed up. Especially after his after his death, Tupac's biological father Billy attempted to inherit half of his estate and sued <gasps> a Fenny. And uh, she opposed it because Garland was an absentee father who didn't even do anything to contribute to Tupac's yeah. upbringing. And so a judge denied his claim. Good. Billy Garland, waste of space. Yeah, what a dick. Tupac went to high school on actually a scholarship at the prestigious uh, Baltimore School for the Arts. So everyone knows about this connection if you know about Tupac. So Jada Pinkett Smith's also a student here. She's going to be a friend to him basically through life. He really likes it as well. He would write poetry and uh, she's in one of his music videos. He really excelled here at the school. I do actually think everyone should go to art school to study, even if it's just for a year, because I, I am just one of those hippy-dippy liberal arts chicks. And I just think it, they do really, you know, it blows open your, your mind and stuff. And while he's there, he's going to act in Shakespeare plays. He wrote poetry. He wrote jazz music. He even did ballet. He's got the bullet body for ballet. I mean, Biggie doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, does. Tupac was like, yeah, like physically fit. I mean, he they always like... say Tupac's sexier out the two, but he's not to me. Biggie is really, really sexy. Like, I think Biggie is a fucker. Like, he's going to fuck you so dirty and be really sexy in bed. Whereas I think Tupac would be, like, looking in a mirror at himself. Do you know, know what I'm saying? He'd be like a Dennis Reynolds. One bed. thing, a difference between Tupac and Biggie's music is Biggie would have these, like, little interludes of him, like, yeah. fucking Lil' Kim, I presume. But I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe Faith Evans. But there would be this, these inter, like these little interludes like a 13, 40-second clip, you know, of Biggie just fucking. And it's just, it's nauseating. Like, you listen to your, like, dude, I never even want to picture this. I don't want to hear it. Whereas Tupac doesn't do that. But I bet you Tupac got a lot of ass. Totally. Do you think um, Biggie stole that from Guns N' Roses, Rocket Queen, when Axel's shagging uh, Fingy's girlfriend? Was it Duff's girlfriend or was it Slash's girlfriend? I'm not sure. Actually, I think it was Slash's girlfriend, actually. But... yeah. I wonder if it was Puffy who was like, we got to just got to record you fucking and put those in between songs, man, because people want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's definitely right. a uh, Puffy thing. I agree with you. Uh, Tupac, speaking of jazz music as well, he actually listened to a huge wide range of music and he really, really liked Kate Bush. Well, that's that was his favorite, which I think it's like, you know, me saying no, I can't, you know, he like his relating to like probably the whitest woman on the planet at that time is Kate Bush. Well, I'm surprised he he never sampled her. Like, do you remember that song? You know the right. song Changes? 
by Tupac. Yeah. So he yeah. samples a Bruce Hornsby song in that. And you're just like, really? That's like not gangsta <laughs> at all. It's in fact, it's like the furthest thing away from being gangsta, along with Kate Bush. Like you might but as well sample Morrissey. Gangsta, though. Yeah. By 1988, the area that they had been living in, it was really big on crime. And so the family, once again, they up sticks to Marin City, uh, which is basically the Baltimore of San Francisco. Probably because he had been pulled out of a school that he really fucking loved and was thriving in. And now he's put into a school he really fucking hated. He didn't graduate, but he's going to pick up his GED eventually. And if her crack problem, his mother Afini's crack problem was bad back in Baltimore, then it spiraled in Marin, where Tupac would make his living selling the crack that his mother would buy. This is going to cause bad blood between them. He's looking for an escape. Eventually, though, she's going to clean up and the two will regain their like lifelong bond that they had. Well, he did struggle in his relationship with his mother, but he paid tribute to her in the song Dear Mama which is another one of his overly sentimental songs that I love. But he reflects on his childhood in it, his mother's drug addiction and her issues, and he expresses his love for her. So one of the lines is, and even as a crack fiend mama, you always was a black queen mama. I finally understand for a woman, it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed, a poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it. It's a great great song. That's quite nice. It's so sentimental. It's kind of like... Everyone's favorite Elvis song is In the Ghetto, but it's not one of mine. And I have I to be like once a year I listen to In the Ghetto and I have to be so in the mood for it. Yeah, I love that song. Because it's just to me, I can only imagine Cartman singing it. I know it's the same with me. And I always, I always kind of, you know, sort of in my head have Cartman singing that when I'm <laughs> driving through like this, you know, South Central. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the, LA's so Skid I just Row. Used to sing. <laughs> Everyone loves that Elvis song, but... It's just one of those songs. I, well, I don't what like I loved about ballads. that song is like, Elvis, what the fuck do you know about the ghetto? <laughs> like you're so far <laughs> hey, removed from actually, it. Hey, actually, Elvis is from, yeah, no, Elvis is from very impoverished. Don't forget where Elvis came from. Well, he came from, but by the time he wrote that song, he had been away from that for how long? Well, he didn't write that song, did No, he? but by so... the time he, he didn't write that song, but by, by the time he, you know, recorded that song, he'd been well removed from the ghetto for many years. Let's not say a bad single word about the one and only king, never. Elvis Aaron Presley. Because what's Sacrilege. great about Elvis Aaron Presley, which Tupac doesn't have, is that Elvis can make any song into a reality for the listener. It's like he was there in the ghetto right then. We've just never hungry him <laughs> really was. Yeah. in the ghetto. When um, Tupac was 17 in 1990, he met someone who knew someone. That's always the way it goes. And he got a gig as a roadie and a backup dancer for the hip-hop group. <laughs> Sounds so white then. For the hip-hop group Digital Underground. By 1991, his first single, Same Song, was released. A record deal of Interscope Records was snagged. A single, Sons of the P. And his debut al- album, Tupocalypse, uh, they now hit the stars shortly. After. It really does just happen because of who you fucking know. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think he met a producer, got hooked up with record executive. Next thing you know, they're promoting your record and you're huge. And uh, Alex and Claudia are actually talking about this on the latest episode of We Hate You podcast. But they they were saying that in your early 20s, you're kind of in this like this bubble of creativity where you can go like to the, to the heights. It will happen to you in your early 20s, but it only happens to certain people. 
And I just think it happens just purely. I mean, you can like have little talent, but if you fucking know someone, that's it for you. If you know somebody who can get you onto Interscope Records, that's it. Look at fucking, look at Ja Rule, case in point. Yeah. That guy's terrible, terrible. But yet he obviously knew someone that could introduce him to someone. And then next thing you know, right time. You can, yeah, here, you got to do a duet with fucking Aaliyah, and he's huge. You know, it's all about connections. That's all it takes sometimes. Tupac is going to release four albums in his lifetime, but as of July 2023, there's now more than 21 albums with his names, as well as a slew of awards, including that he is the 45th top-selling artist of all time with 36 million album sales, which compare that to Biggie, who has only 21 million. Although Biggie has actually been declared the greatest rapper of all time. I'd so I would that. rather have that accolade. I'd declare Yeah, that. Biggie's better. Um, but it's funny though, because there's a lot of he's kind of like like Bob Marley and Hendrix. Like there's the posthumous releases far outnumber the actual releases, because people are just milking it to make money. I didn't know Bob Marley was dead until I was like in my twenties, because everyone acts like he's always alive. And because there was a there was that big song that came out when I was seventeen, it was like a remix, and I just thought, oh, Bob Marley's still alive. And plus, I don't care for Bob Marley, so it wasn't yeah. like news. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know how many records he had. Probably seven or eight, maybe. But Too many. If you, but if you look at it now, it's like he's got to have like 50. <laughs> Same with Hendrix. There's so many records that came out after his death. Yeah. Because you're still making money. So why would you yeah, totally. By August of 1992, his record sales were pretty good. But he's not a huge megastar by any means. But he is completely living the gangster life. He said, everything in life is not all beautiful. There's a lot of killing and drugs. Yeah, including the killing of a six-year-old that he kind of caused. During a gunfight, he drew his pistol. At some point in this fight, he drops it. Someone else picks it up, and they accidentally shoot a six-year-old. Wow. So he indirectly caused it, but... Yeah, I mean, he kind of caused it. Why are you pulling your gun out while there's kids around, Tupac? Do you know what I mean? It's a gunfight. Two... He didn't get arrested. He didn't serve jail time. Uh, He did say he was very guilty over the thing. But a civil suit was launched by the victim's family. But Suge Knight most certainly reached deep, deep into his pockets to make that problem grow away. The beginnings of Death Row Records, they're really shady. It's a whole thing. You can fall Mm. into a spiral about the beginning of Death Row. There's like documentaries about it. Yeah. By 1991, it was uh, managed and ran by Dr. Dre and Suge Knight, and at first bankrolled by Robert Van Winkle, (laughs) a.k.a. Vanilla Ice, who was actually told in no uncertain terms that he would have to take a long dive off a short balcony if he didn't pony up the cash, because they said he stole samples and he owed them money. Yeah, that's a legendary story. Yeah. Death Row is actually located initially at the intersection of Westwood Boulevard and, Boulevard and Wilshire, but then it moves to the intersection of Wilshire and uh, San uh, Vicente. So it just kind of flips around. Dr. Dre's Chronic album, which features Snoop, uh, dropped in December of 92. We were talking about the cultural significance of what that album achieved at the start of the show. I don't have to tell you. But this put Death Row on the map and gangster rap was the number one worry of dry turkey sandwiches on white wonder bread with creamed corn on the side and a glass of lukewarm milk. White parents across the nation. Probably your parents too, D. I think my parents were oblivious to it, but it was a huge deal. I remember junior high and high school. Because they banned Won't it. Someone like, think you weren't allowed to listen to children. Yeah. Well, 
also, I mean, they're rapping openly about smoking weed, you know, the chronic. And so nice. if you yeah. if you had that, you're being sent home. If you were playing it in school, you're being sent home. They would confiscate the CDs and the tapes. It was a big deal. Maybe they had a right to be worried, though, because Suge Knight is a very, very dangerous and a very naughty man. And not just because he's Aries or built like a brick shit house, but maybe it's because he ran with the Bloods, specifically the Mod Piru Bloods. But he also hired from other blood sets, like the Fruit Town Piru, which is my favorite. The fr- Imagine being in a gang and we're like, we're the Fruit Town. <laughs> hey, nice to meet you. We're the Fruit Town. And uh, Luders Park Peru. Yeah. I wonder if the Luders Park and the Mod Piru Bloods are like, man, we got to deal with the fruits over there at the Fruit <laughs> Town Piru. <laughs> like, I wonder if they just hated yeah. having to deal with them. <laughs> You know, on West Side Story, when they all come together clicking their fucking fingers, you just know the fruit town are just like in cut off shorts <laughs> with a red neckerchief. And they are just maybe there's something a little fruity about They're them, sassy. is what I'm saying, for them to be in the fruit town. You know, I saw That's some, where you go. I saw some Instagram clip of this gangsta who was in like, I think he was a crip. But he was super gay and like had a lisp and was like super gay. And, and the guy that was interviewing was like, so... Do you speak like that when you're hanging around, you know, the homies in the hood? He's like, no, I don't. I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? <laughs> and he had like this totally different tone of voice. He's like, when I'm dealing with the homies on the street, I talk like this. But I'm dealing with my friends. I'm like, hey, hey, girl. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> fruit Town. I imagine that's what the Fruit Town Piro is like. We're going to get shot over Me this, too. by the way. Or I am. Uh, you might. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just a nice girl who doesn't understand these things. <laughs> Suge Knight has been photographed flashing the blood sign, which we all know is cool as fuck. And we all have that one friend who can do that blood thing with their fingers. Or is that just the, I don't know, is that a London thing? When you would make spell out blood with your fingers? You no, that, that's definitely on the streets here. I don't know how to do it, but I have seen it before. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I it, wonder what the Crips hand signal is. It's probably cool as well. It's just cool doing a hand signal with your mates in it. Suge Knight wears red, but it is important to acknowledge that he has never stated that he is a member and it's never been stated that he is affiliated. But come the fuck on. We're not idiots, Suge. Tupac was also unaffiliated, although they do say that he had ties to the Bloods. And even though Snoop is a crip, he was bought onto death row by Dr. Dre, who was stepbrothers with Warren G, who was pals with Snoop through school. And it was also when there was a ceasefire because of the riots. Did you know, actually, a fun little thing about Snoop Dogg? He went to school with Cameron Diaz and he sold her really bad weed one time. It was like mainly seeds. I don't know if you've told me that, but I have heard that before. It's a fun little story. Yeah. So there had been a ceasefire because of the riots. The Watts Truce was declared in 1992. But that doesn't mean that all the gangs or all their gang members are following their leaders' orders. And as I said before, Tupac may not have been a gangster, but he's definitely living the G life. He's shooting at the police. He's being shot himself at Quad Studios and in more serious allegations, being accused of rape. Yeah, he's no longer a backup dancer for Digital Underground. He's a gangster now. Yeah, and that's apparently what they do. (laughs) In November of 1993, he was arrested after a 19-year-old fan, um, Ayanna Jackson reported to police that she had been with the performer at the Park Meridian Hotel in New York when several of his friends came in and led by Tupac forced her to perform oral sex on on her on her well sorry she had to perform oral sex (laughs) yeah he wasn't like I brought all my friends in to eat your pussy lay back Ernie (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, she Sorry. was forced to perform oral on them. Yeah, it made me think of you know the rape scene in Showgirls, the really brutal rape scene. Ooh, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. Shakur and his road manager, Charles Fuller, they're taken into custody. They're charged with three counts of first-degree sexual abuse, sodomy, and illegal possession of a firearm after police found two guns in the hotel room. You know, a lot of people, including Tupac and his lawyers, were trying to, um, the defense was like, oh, no, this was completely consensual. Like, we had had consensual sex before, and that night, yeah, we, were at a, we were at a nightclub, and she was sucking my dick on the dance floor. And so they're like, oh, so right. it's totally normal for me to bring her up to a hotel room and have all my guys pull a train on her. You know, yeah. that was their defense. That, yeah, that was his defense during the trial. He said, yeah. how can it be rape when they'd had or they'd already done things consensually. But the, <laughs> while she was like being made to suck off all his baits, he was holding her hostage by her hair. So yeah. does that tell you that it's consensual <laughs> if you have to hold somebody down by their hair? He's going to be sentenced to serve 18, between 18 months and four and a half years on Rikers. Guess who posts his bond during his appeal? It's going to be Big Bag Chug. He's here. The most likely, and I do mean most likely, very, as in, the, try and think of a better scenario because there isn't one. This is how the story goes, right? To his murder, it goes like this. And I'm doing this kind of loosey-goosey because all this information is not only worthy of a two-hour documentary but there's so many spiderwebs there's so many moving parts that it could easily be a 10-part fucking series so i'm going to give you the cliff's notes version and it all links back to that quad studio shooting when he was at the studios in times square when he arrived in the lobby three men robbed and beat him and tupac fought back and he was shot for his troubles one bullet actually grazed his skull so, so they could have murdered him so one thing to point out, um, Quad Studios were Biggie recorded. And so yes. Tupac was offered seven grand to record with somebody, I think, on Bad Boy. Um, I forget the yeah, guy's name, and- but he was, yeah, offered seven grand. And he took it because he needed money to offset like his legal troubles. And yes. right when he showed up, he was um, accosted on the stairs. And so I think that's why he attributed blame to Biggie and Biggie's group. But after Tupac had been shot fighting off these guys, um, you know, he just checked out of the, the Metro Hospital Center just a few hours after surgery for being shot. And then he secretly went to the house of actress Jasmine Guy, who I don't know if you might remember her from A Different World, the Cosby Show spinoff. Oh, huh. okay. Yeah, and the next day, he went to a Manhattan courthouse bandaged in a wheelchair to receive the jury's verdict for his sexual abuse case. And then he posted a $25,000 bond, spent the next few weeks being cared for by his mother and a private doctor at Jasmine Guy's home. And he was being um, protected by members of the Black Panther Party who were standing guard. Yeah. And as you said before, it was like Biggie. It was Biggie's studio, right? So it was this moment that ignited a hip hop feud that's going to lead to the murder of the two protagonists. It's very Capulet versus Montague. It's so Shakespeare. That's one of the reasons why I think it's still in the public consciousness is this is just a Shakespeare tale. It's a good story. And plus, to me, rapping is very Shakespearean. Like when you see two people, whenever you watch like a rap battle, I used to love getting stoned and watching rap battles. And it would just get to a point where you're like, it's like watching Chaucer. Like yeah. a Chaucer poem come to life. Yeah. I used to like Which is a, funny thing. In, in the yeah. movie Breakin' when they would have like their breakdance battles. <laughs> I actually think they should incorporate that with the rap battles. Be more entertaining. That would be the next way forward, wouldn't it? If they did eight mile eight mile breakin'. 
I would love that. I bet you Eminem can break dance. I bet Eminem can do whatever the you, fuck he wants. You know Tupac could. I mean, he was a dancer, backup dancer for yeah. Digital Underground. You know he knew how to break dance. Well, maybe if he'd lived, this is what he would be doing with his life now. <laughs> Although I do think Tupac was going to die young. Tupac was convinced it had been set up by Biggie. And they'd actually been like quite, kind of close, you know. They had a lot in common. They're both very well read. They're both from shitty backgrounds. They're both sexy street show- soldiers turned gangster rappers. And this fallout, maybe it was paranoia on Tupac's part or not. This is what started the East Coast versus West Coast war. On the East Coast is Biggie and Bad Boy Records. And on the West was Tupac and Death Row. This spurned diss tracks from both of them in time. So you've got Hit Em Up from Tupac and Who Shot You from Biggie, which is so fucking bitchy. I love Who Shot You. It's a great song. Hit Em Up, though, is one of the best. I mean, it's it starts off with like, yeah, I fucked your bitch. Like yeah. right off the bat. It was just like, dude, it's, it's got to be like one of the most famous, infamous uh, diss, tra- diss tracks yes. of all time. I just love who shot you. So, like, yeah. oh, did you get shot? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> who did it? Could That's have been me. Great song. <laughs> but Biggie didn't kill Tupac. A Leo named Orlando Ty, Baby Lane Anderson, probably, probably did. He was raised in Compton. He was a good student too. He went to school. He actually went to school with Ice Cube. He oh, didn't drink. Didn't he didn't smoke. But he lived on South Burris, which is Southside Crip Territory. Orlando had dreams to be a musician, but instead he knocked up a nurse, had a kid, and he moved to Lakewood. Orlando also liked boxing, and he had been to see the Tyson fight himself. Three hours before Tupac was shot, Tupac and Orlando were involved in their own fight in the lobby of the MGM Hotel. This fight basically boiled down to the same old bad blood between the Bloods and the Crips. I mean, getting somebody like Tupac on the crib do you know what i mean if you saw him and you were like i'm gonna go and fuck him up that's so much street cred just well i think even part I of it that. part of it was orlando anderson was suspected by suge and some of the people from death row of, of ripping them off like they mm. he had robbed some associates and so suge was like get that motherfucker and i think that's kind of what started the fight but yeah imagine the bragging rights of uh taking it's out totally. tupac the story goes that Orlando was still really pissed about the fight and he saw Tupac and Shug pulled to the side talking to some girls in their car and so he pumps 13 shots into the vehicle hitting Tupac in the head, pelvis and chest. Tupac's going to be cremated. His ashes are going to be sat- scattered in South Africa on June the 16th, 1997, which is his 26th birthday and the anniversary of the 76th um, So We Too uprising. His mother's like so political. Like, yeah. I'm going to scatter his ashes on a nice date when there was a revolution. It wouldn't take long for Orlando to join him in the here ever after. There basically was no murder investigation. The police automatically dismissed it as a gang-related kind of thing which is really racist but i can also see that point at the same time sergeant chuck castle of the department's gang unit said look at shaka's uh, tattoos and album co- covers that's not the jackson five <laughs> it looks like a case of live by the sword die by the sword yeah they totally just wrote it <laughs> just, off just trivialized it and i think that's what, what pissed off his mother yeah well it would piss off any mother it's still your child isn't it who's been killed Orlando was freed. He feared for his life, but he also bragged on the street that he was the one that killed Tupac. But it's funny how after the murders, he suddenly had a big injection of the green stuff and he's building a recording studio. Maybe Vegas is lucky for some. Rumors go that Serge had 
paid him off to some degree to save himself from earlier testimony, which would not fucking surprise me with Suge Knight. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, all the backhanded deals that guy is up to. Oh, he's shady as shit. We'll never know because on May the 29th, 1998, someone that he owed money to spotted Orlando at a car wash on Alondra Boulevard and Oleander, uh, Oleander, we'll go with that, Avenue in Compton. A gunfight ensued, four bodies hit the floor, and some of them wouldn't get back up until the coroner arrived, and one of those was Orlando. And now this is where the conspiracies start. We've got the selling of the pictures of Tupac's prick, the sightings in Glasgow, Suge saying that he's alive, Kim Kardashian saying that Tupac is alive. But one thing is for sure, that Tupac, to me, is dead, and he went out like a G. He did, and he continues to make a lot of money. Like His estate yeah. still makes millions every year. Which, yeah. uh, that's why they keep putting out all those posthumous records. But yeah, there's so many conspiracies about his death. Some more entertaining than others. Um, the Glasgow one's my favorite. We'll get to that in a minute. But that I is do my like, favorite. I do like the Kardashian one makes me laugh. It's like, what do you fucking know, Kim? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think- Kim is like about as gangster as I am. Well, he's pictured with a lot of celebrities and a lot of those photos are doctors. So I can imagine why she's like, oh yeah, he's still alive. You know, he's living in Cuba. But we'll get to that. So in 2002, an investigative journalist by the name of Chuck, Chuck Phillips, um, after a year of work, um, he said that uh, Anderson, who's a Southside Compton Crip, was attacked by Suge and Shakur's entourage at the MGM Hotel. Um, and he had fired the fatal gunshots, but Vegas police interviewed him once, just once, before he, you know, he died in an unrelated shooting, until he wrote it off as like, yeah, it's... It's, you know, it's gang on gang violence. I just totally just wrote it off. Like the murder of like this huge rapper. I mean, that that suspect yeah. right there, you know. And uh, uh, Phillips also claims that Biggie um, had ties within New York City's criminal underworld and that he was also involved in the death of Tupac. Biggie's all, Biggie always denied that, even though he was killed shortly, shortly after. Um the uh, uh, music journalist John Leland, New York Times, did, looked into it and said the evidence between Biggie, as well as uh, Orlando Anderson, who denied involvement, was inconclusive. So he was never actually charged. They never had a suspect in the actual murder. Orlando never fully. Orlando bragged about it. He yeah. bragged he's the one who killed Tupac. And there, you know, uh, Dwayne Davis said he saw him shoot him. Yeah. And yet there's but, I mean, been no charges. Yeah, I don't really see, just because, like, they had a fallout, I don't see why Biggie would be like, yeah, I shot him in the lobby and now I'm going to get, like, send out some fucking assassins. You'd be like, you'd send out some better assassins than Orlando Baby Lane. Do you know what I mean? If that was going to be your hit, I yeah, would. exactly. And if you've got Biggie's money, I would totally send out a better assassin. My, one of my favorite, another one of my favorite conspiracies here um, happened in 2011. So via the Freedom of Information Act, the FBI had to release documents related to the investigation of Tupac's death, and they described an extortion scheme by the Jewish Defense League, which, is, which the FBI classifies as a right-wing terrorist group, that said they had been making death threats against Shakur and other rappers, but they did not indicate like a direct connection to the murder. I was actually looking into the JDL, and I think this is going to be a topic for a future show. I never knew there was like a right-wing terrorist group of Hasids, but apparently there is. What are they going to do, throw bagels at you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but they have bagels with like razors, like ninja stars. 
So there's just a lot of conspiracies about Tupac. One of the big ones, much like Elvis, is the theory that he's still alive and kicking and living in Cuba and other areas around the world, such as Malaysia. So Suge Knight Jr., Suge Knight's son, has gone on video and released photos of a man (laughs) that he claims is Tupac who lives in Malaysia. He said, they fooled you guys the first time, but y'all, he has been here. And in a separate video, Suge Knight Jr. claims Tupac's been living in uh, Malaysia to hide from the limelight and from the threat of rivals. So he's on the run because he's still worried about it. You're still worried about getting capped. Why would you want to be in Malaysia? I'd be like, God, you could go and like live in nowhere Australia. Do you know what I mean? And that's better than Malaysia. Well, people, he posted these videos to Instagram in 2015 and then put the video out on YouTube. And the video claimed the photo was taken of Tupac in Cuba, actually, not Malaysia. So... I don't know. He's already contradicting himself. And there is an American website called Reporters that published a doctored image of Tupac parting with Rihanna. And so they say he's still alive parting with Rihanna. And there was another video, another image doctored as well of him parting with Beyonce. So I think that's kind of where the Kardashian theories come in. But I mean, how can you really believe that? You know, Um, I bet she didn't even know who he was until she married Kanye. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she she was into that. That uh, she was into always into the hip hops, wasn't she? So, <laughs> well, I suppose she would have been because she's the right age and she's yeah, and she way. dated basketball players and things like that. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, Suge Knight, uh, who's currently serving, he's still in prison right now for a fatal confrontation. I don't know if you remember when he drove over that guy with his car. Um, He's never getting out of jail. There was a show called Who Shot Biggie and Tupac in which Ice-T worked with uh, journalist Soledad O'Brien and they called Suge Knight in jail asking about Tupac. And so O'Brien asked him directly, so you seriously think he might still be alive? And Suge Knight responded, I'm going to tell you that with Pac, you never know. And then later on, Snoop Dogg, who was also a close friend of Tupac, was on Steve Harvey's talk show. And he asked him the same thing, same question as, as whether he thinks Tupac might still be alive. You know, a, a few weeks ago now, Ice-T uh, did an investigative TV special. I seen that. To find Biggie and Tupac's killer. And he spoke to Suge Knight, who alluded that Tupac may possibly be alive. What you think? That's, that's good TV. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, but I, you know, my, my homeboy is rest in peace. And then at the same time, I know people still want him to be here and they, they love him so much to where his legacy, you know, it overwhelms everything. But at the same time, you got to know and understand when, when God takes you home, he takes you home and that's, that's where you are. And you went yeah, here. Really? You at home. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Tupac really buys into, uh, or if uh, Snoop really See? buys into Tupac still being alive. But it's kind of funny yeah. that he's like, yeah, it makes good TV. And I think that's why you still hear Shook. things in the media and there's still documentaries coming out about this, the death of Tupac and Biggie, because it does make good TV. Um, there is a theory, though, that uh, Snoop Dogg was involved. And um, so uh, uh, there's a comedian slash journalist, on Love, said Snoop Dogg's influence could have potentially saved Tupac's life. 
So Love doesn't claim that Snoop orchestrated Tupac's murder, but suggests that their fallout and strained relationship set off a chain of events that contributed to Tupac's tragic demise. Because Tupac had connections to, like, you know, the Crips and I think, you know, um, to, or Suge. I think it was Snoop had connection to the Crips. I get them mixed up. Suge had connection to the Crips, and Tupac had, you know, connection to Bloods. So maybe there was some, like, rivalry that might have happened. He was unaffiliated, so they say. But so I mean, Suge is yeah. definitely 100% in the bloods. But I just kind of think Tupac's a bit of an asshole. And that's why he's falling out with Biggie. He's fall- like, who the fuck can fall out with Snoop Dogg? Like, Snoop Dogg's the most well, relaxed man then, on the though, planet when he's not murdering people. Snoop Dogg also was a gangster <laughs> who also murdered people. So, I mean, it people, was just that's being a gangster, I mean. you know? It's hard to be friends when you're a but gangster. It is. But at the same time, you never hear about Snoop Dogg being dicks being a dickhead to people and i just don't think i think tupac was a bit of a moody prick and i'm saying that because i'm a moody prick so i recognize i recognize well, it in other people he's a poet aren't poets moody yes i write poetry too so there's a video of tupac <laughs> hanging out in cuba that surfaced online this is in the early 2000s there was a blog called Hollaback exclusive and they shared this video of that tupac was hanging out in a parking lot in cuba and the guy's like tupac is fucking living yo and then the, the camera pans <laughs> to a guy that does look like tupac hanging out with his friends but you know come on if tupac was really trying to hide do you think you would have been cool with being recorded and then and and the video cuba. is so low was quality this like when we saw kanye on the underground oh, yeah on the way. underground um, yeah. acting very erratic, but yeah, the video is so low quality. It's really kind of hard to tell. I mean, you can search for it and find it. And then there's a fan that posted another video that showed how Tupac's actual facial facial features are completely different, you know, than, uh, than what he looked like. So I don't know. I mean, I understand people want to believe that he's, that he's living, but I think it's very spurious that he could be in, tu- in Cuba or Malaysia. You know, I just, I just find that really hard to believe. Also, I would like to, there's the autopsy as well. You can read the entire autopsy online, which I did. And there's also, bringing it back, it wouldn't be true if I didn't mention Rotten.com, but the dead celebrity section of Rotten.com, Tupac was like the first, one of the first free celebrities on there. You can look at Tupac's death pictures. Well, there's theories about about the body double, which has come out from, yeah, from Tupac's bodyguard, which we're going to get to. Just one minute. So TMZ in 2009 released photos of Tupac at a bar in NOLA in New Orleans, just chilling in Bourbon Street. I'm sure he hung out in Bourbon Street. But TMZ couldn't even confirm the photos that it was Tupac. I think they were just trying to get clicks. Um, Another theory posted that Tupac's hiding in East Africa because he was smuggled out by the Black Panthers. And uh, he was there with his friend and founder of Outlaws, hip-hop group Yaki Gaddafi. And uh, Yaki Gaddafi died as well. But they were both, at this time, alive, hanging out in East Africa. Doing what? <laughs> Just hiding. You know, hiding from the limelight what? and hiding from rivals. I, once again... In East fucking Africa. Again, this is like Malaysia. If you're going to choose a paradise to go to, you don't fucking go to Malaysia. You don't go to East Africa. I'm sorry well, a private investigator in 2020 claimed that he's alive and well in Belize. I can imagine hiding out in Belize would be nice. For the coca. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. 
Jimmy Poole was the name of the private investigator, and he claims that there's information that he's living in Central America and that he's in his 40s. And my favorite theory is that he's living in Glasgow, just selling DVDs. Is it at Barrowlands who's selling them? Because honestly, right, if you're going to go and hide out and you're going to be a gangster rapper and you just think, where can I go? Glasgow would be a good shout. Well... I, although, I don't know. How many black gangsters do they have in uh, Glasgow? Well, no, but you're gonna, he's going to give up the gangster life, isn't he? And he's probably going to go and be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a ballet. I'm a retired ballet and jazz instructor from Baltimore. Dude's covered in tattoos. I think he would stand out a little bit. But uh, yeah, a source <laughs> told the Daily Mirror in 2019, I've seen Tupac alive. He's working in the Barris Market in Glasgow selling DVDs. Yeah, the bar- <laughs> this was like a, just a really funny joke for some some Glaswegian cunt that the the mirror was like, that's great. I just don't get it. I'm just gonna write it down. I bet it was Glasgow Greg who rang that in as a joke, and they just believed <laughs> and it. And they just ran you got with any it. Pictures, mate. Well, I don't think the mirror or the Daily Mail really confirm their sources. I don't think they try to verify. <laughs> they just print. Um, Too short, who was a friend of Tupac, also another Bay Area rapper here. Uh, he claimed the hip hop star faked his own death, and he says. I believe Tupac didn't die. So here's a here's another clip. Um, I love Too Short too. His his music is hilarious. He's not even trying to be sentimental. I mean, do you know how his music is just like I'm a pimp, and he was an actual pimp. How many people think that that Suge set up Tupac to get killed? Do you know this is really a thing right now, in 2018? I know you don't believe that because I believe Tupac didn't die. Really? <laughs> you think Tupac's still alive? For real, Man. for real. Vlad believes everything he reads. No, I don't believe everything I read, but I actually interview people around the situation. Uh, okay, that's cool. You've interviewed people that seen the dead body, all that. That's cool. <laughs> you, you must live with your truth. Right. So I'm you, telling you. You believe Tupac's alive right now. I'm just saying that every politician did not die of fucking car, the car crash, and then some of them motherfuckers got killed. Okay, fair enough. Some of them plane crashes were deliberate. So, Ooh, spill the shit over in the hip hop, man. It it is it is a possibility. Okay. Conspiracy there. Yeah, it's Which a possibility. Kate Rambo. Which politician has died in a plane crash in the last thirty years? Uh, you can't say RFK Jr. because he's yeah. not a politician. Well, so who's, which politician does he fucking mean? I don't know. He's too short. Who knows what, who knows what he's saying? I'd be get, I'd be getting too short on patience if I was around him. So I would. Well, uh, Michael Nice, who was one of Tupac's bodyguards, he's part of a security team, said that he played a part. He played a role in faking the rapper's death. And so he claims that he, he helped uh, smuggle Tupac into Cuba with, with former President Fidel Castro's um, approval. Oh, sod off. Yeah. Um, I'm getting short on patience now. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why do these men be lying? He released video evidence, and it was, and right after that came out, Michael Nice died. But in 2019, wow. he came back and revealed that he had faked his own death, and he proved that it was that easy to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you know what's probably funny is, though, is Michael Nice probably isn't married and doesn't have kids and doesn't have many friends. So when he says he faked his own death, he probably just put a death notice in the paper and moved out of town. It's probably really easy to do. And when nobody missed him or cared, I, I really hope his ego took a little blow then. 
when well, he put the video back. He died. He he released a video in 2019 saying, "My name is Michael Nice. I faked my own death on the 18th of December 2018. I'm here today, back from the dead, to show you why and how I faked my death." And I'm gonna put the record straight. He says, "I know it's a shock to all the people who know me, but I'm back, and I I confess I faked my own death. I feel ashamed about it, but it had to be done, and I'm going to explain why." And so. This guy claims, no. and you know, this guy claims that it's not that hard to fake your own death. I mean, you can do this, and I mean, for someone like a, a Tupac stature, I imagine it would be a little more difficult, but it's possible. And I think that he was just demonstrating that. So here he is in an interview discussing how he helped Tupac fake his own death. So at the time of the actual surgery, the the body was waiting in the ambulance. Uh, the doctor was in the Don't room. Don't believe him. Uh, was in the room. Finney Shakur was present. Gloria Cox was present. And actually, the two women um, had agreed with the doctor that he didn't have to witness the event. He could actually just turn his head, wash his hands, or whatever. They quickly switched the bodies. One out of the ambulance, uh, the dead body. Tupac, who'd recovered enough to, to get about fine by himself, he, he then transferred to the ambulance and um, the next step was to transfer him to an airstrip. Um, again, with a Howard Marks connection, one of his showbiz friends, um, we had a private plane waiting um, to get Tupac on board. So the next thing that happened was me and my brother met Tupac at the safe house, comfortable. Uh, escorted him to the plane, um, the two Pamba guys were with us and um, obviously the pilot was there as well and um, we took off and we headed to the Barbados. Mm, great, um, success, we helped pack escape. Took him to Barbados and eventually to Cuba. Swapped it out, These are it was my a body double. Right. Firstly, he can't even say Tupac's name right and I know I shouldn't be judging people on that but when has Tupac ever been Tupac? Firstly, secondly, my main point is right. Yeah, maybe right. Okay, maybe he wants to just disappear out the limelight. Maybe he wants to say, "Why? Why is he going to go to all this fucking bother?" And then you're talking about that. Then you're deliberately going to hire somebody who's going to come shoot him, legit, literally shoot him, and be like, "Oh yeah, but only aim for like the shoulders or the legs. Don't hit him in the chest. We're going to make it look like it was a drive-by shooting. Everyone's paid off." Tupac, you're going to get shot. It's going to be fine, though. We can guarantee that. And then we're going to take you to Barbados. Why? Well, What's what so wrong in his life that he has to escape? There's also a theory that they hired like this actor to get shot for oh. Tupac, which is like, who would do that? They knew there was going to be a drive-by. It's nonsense. He had been receiving death threats, so they got this actor who would be willingly murdered. It's like, that makes no sense at all. It really doesn't. I think this guy's just trying to, uh, you know, cash in, cash in and, and write a book and make some money. But, you know, this conspiracy theory was uh, the basis for a film that came out a few years yeah. ago called Tupac, The Great Escape from UMC by a filmmaker named Rick Boss. And uh, what this movie's about is him escaping from the University of Medical Center in Vegas and relocating to New Mexico and getting protection from the Navajo tribe. Because when you're on tribal what? land, the FBI is not allowed on it. They have to get like some special search warrant. So according to Rick Boss, Tupac planted a body double in Suge Knight's BMW when he heard of the planned attempt on his life, and he escaped by helicopter to the Navajo tribal land in New Mexico where federal agents weren't allowed to follow him. 
And then Boss alleged he obtained information about Tupac's survival through the rapper's family and close surrounding circle of friends. I like the Glasgow rumor more. That's still my favorite theory. So there's many (laughs) hints that they claim is the reason why Tupac is still living. There's, there's many hints that he faked his own death. So Tupac changed his name to Machiavelli when he released that double record, which is actually kind of a cool album. Uh, but he was inspired by an Italian strategist, Niccolo Machiavelli, who they claim pretended to fake his death. So one of the theories about his death is, is the Machiavelli-Casanova theory, stating that Tupac faked his own death because he was inspired by Machiavelli, and he favored the notion of faking his death to gain advantage over his enemies. So the rapper changed his name to Machiavelli, which is an anagram called A.M. Alive K. M. Alive K. And oh, the K uh, in this anagram just... <laughs> reveals to uh, present-day rapper Casanova the Don who vocally compares a lot to compares to Tupac. Furthermore, Casanova like the Don released a song called Mystery that contains lyrics that allude to Tupac and his fake death. It's like Elvis and Orion. Orion. It's like Elvis and Orion. Exactly. Now this is all just selling records for these other people. Great for them. Well, what's really, what's really funny. I find out, find out about this is like, I was doing research because I'm like, did Machiavelli actually fake his own death? You know, he didn't. Like, and he, didn't, he didn't even advocate faking his own death. So it's a myth that persisted over time to people who misinterpret his passages. So Machiavelli was a philosopher writer who lived in Florence, Italy during the Renaissance period. And he wrote a, you know, a very famous book called The Prince, which is a treatise on uh, political power, leadership, and he, you know, his strategies on how to maintain and, you know, and, and people can, how they can maintain rulers, can maintain, expand their power using force, deception, manipulation. It's a very famous uh, text, you know, the, the term Machiavellian strategies. Yeah. But there's nowhere in the prince that he says that you should advocate your own death. So the myth probably came from a passage that Machiavelli wrote in his 1520 treatise called Art of War, not to be confused with Sun Tzu's Art of War, which came out, you know, hundreds of years before. But Machiavelli in this, in, in his Art of War, discusses how a ruler can protect himself from enemies who are too powerful to confront directly. And he suggests a ruler could pretend to be dead, allowing his enemies to lower their guard and strike back when the time is right. But he never suggested anyone should fake his death. He never advocated that people should fake his death. So people claim that, you know, it's a misunderstanding of this passage. Sometimes it's been a great moment while the fight's going on to disseminate words that pronounce the enemy's captain to be dead or, had, or to have been conquered by another part of the army. Many times this has given victory to those who have used it. Now, I don't know. Tupac claims that, you know, he read about this when he was in prison and then he came out with the, uh, you know, the, the album. He changed his name to Machiavelli. And uh, he claims he was inspired by the passage then. Does that mean he faked his own death? Doubt it. I think he probably just didn't understand what uh, the philosopher is trying to say or interpret it in his own way. Interpret it in his own way, I'm going. Because he was very well read. Yeah, he he was. Um, So there's another theory here that uh, that he disappeared. The, The Tupac completely disappeared after the cremation. So Suge Knight, 
who owned Death Records at the time, said he paid $3 million for Tupac's cremation the day after he died. The cremator listed Tupac's body as having been 6 feet tall, weighing 210 pounds, but Tupac's driver's license said he was 5 foot 10 and 168 pounds. And a planned memorial for the rapper was canceled at the last minute. And Suge Knight said he never saw the person behind the cremation again. So he took $3 million from Suge Knight. Yeah, it doesn't cost $3 million to cremate fucking anyone. Come on. <laughs> and his mom had those ashes and she scattered them. Well, he claims that those are fake. I like. I did read the autopsy report. You can get it, but I didn't look at the, the weight or the height. But that's probably, again, something that been changed on the internet when it hasn't really been you know it's probably like the machiavellian thing it's probably just been changed and nobody's ever thought hang on i'll go and look and see what it actually says well suge knight says you know before tupac died like tupac used to joke about faking his own death he said pac was down for doing like the last little videos and shit of him dying all in white you know what i'm saying and the, the video is uh he made a video called i ain't mad at ya which was recorded only a few weeks before his death and offered an eerie premonition that he was going to be shot and ascend to heaven. That's why he was wearing all white. So he was like, you know, I mean, think about it. The guy knew he was going to die. Get into heaven, but well, <laughs> that's he was what saying, I'd have you know, said to him. Well, he was saying that uh, he knew, you know, maybe the question is Pac's not really dead. Pac's somewhere else. Like he faked his death because he was going to move on. Um... There is, you know, there is an interesting, uh, an interesting theory. So there's been a, did you see the, uh, the, the film that came out in 2002, uh, Biggie and Tupac? Yeah, that's the famous one. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in that one, uh, Suge Knight says that, uh, or actually Mr. Broomfield interviewed an LAPD detective, Russell Poole in the film, who claimed that corrupt officers helped Knight cover up both killings. So Knight was behind Tupac and Biggie's murders. This is what, I don't even think this is a conspiracy. I think this is completely true. I think Suge had definitely uh, hands to deal in both of them. Way more than he would ever let on. Suge Knight's fucking corrupt. Well, he said Shakur's murder was carried out in response to fears that Tupac might leave death row to become an actor. Yeah. And uh, that he would remain commercially viable as a martyr after his death. So for so Suge could continue to cash in on the royalties from his records if he died, because that would make him even more popular. And then if Tupac dies, who's his biggest rival? Who's selling more records? Biggie's Biggie. murder. So you're going to naturally kill him. Poole claims Biggie's murder was staged a year later con- to conceal Knight's part in the first murder of Tupac. Now, a lot been. of people... I think that's a bit iffy, but... Well, a lot of people question, question uh, Poole's credibility. So, like, if Knight had planned the attack, unrelated to the Orlo Anderson fracas that occurred at the MGM, he placed himself in considerable danger by being in the BMW when the gunman opened fire. So why would he do that? Well, I mean, that's what they do. It's what all the mafia lot do, isn't it? It's well, like I know, like I'm part of the mafia. So what we all do, like you've got to put yourself in the line of fire. But he's also built like a brick shit house, And I'm pretty sure that Suge Knight could just engulf Maybe he had like bulletproof, like a Teflon vest or something on, but I mean, it would give him the perfect alibi. That's for sure. Yeah, because he's there with him. So uh, there's a new documentary that came out called Tupac Assassination 3 Battle for Compton. And Suge Knight in this documentary 
uh, confirms the filmmaker Michael Douglas Carlin Richard Bond's theory that it was his ex-wife, Sharitha Knight, and former Death Row Records security chief Reggie Wright Jr. who orchestrated the murder of Tupac. So Knight claimed it was the first of many murder attempts that the duo committed against his own life. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so I don't know about that, but uh, the filmmakers are definitely fixated on this on this theory. And uh, you know, I mean, he claims that uh, that Suge Knight thought that if he was taken out, then the wife and Reggie White would get, the, you know, would would basically inherit Death Row Records. And Tupac's entire, you know, uh, uh, music collection. And think how much money that would be. Yeah, but Dr. Dre is still there. Dr. Dre still has, like, control, too. Well, so not, what, I don't what think What are they going to do about Dre? Are they going to murder him? Well, I don't, no, I mean, but I don't think Dre had full control of, over, I mean, Dre was, was just standing to make a lot of money, too, from royalties from uh, Tupac's, Tupac's records. So, so Dre was in on it as well then. He had to be if you're saying that. Well, I mean, they claim it was the ex-wife because the ex-wife thought with uh, Suge Knight out of the picture, then uh, she would get, you know, she would inherit death row. And Reggie White kind of fixed it that this happened. But, you know, then again, you know, this, this is such a far-fetched theory. I can see somebody wanting to murder Suge Knight, totally. But I'm sure there are, again, better ways to send your assassins out to kill Suge Knight than in some public place like Vegas. You don't get assassinated in those ways. I mean, all the big mafia bosses were just assassinated when they were eating, like, you know, cannolis in a cafe. Tony Soprano style. They're not killed after seeing a fucking championship fight on the street. But in 1996, Suge wasn't divorced yet from Sharitha. And so if he died in that hit, she'd get most of everything. So he claims that she went to Wright Jr., who was in charge of death row, and ran it while Suge was in prison. And Wright Jr. has gotten away, you know, with this this whole time. And so they, you know, and and so the director here of this, and LA Times reporter Chuck Phillips, um, you know, totally bought this from them and and took all this as evidence as as that they were involved in the actual murder. You know, but isn't I don't she know. already getting two packs money? She's already getting the money. Unless what, Suge Knight is only giving her $100 a week? That's all you get, honey. Enjoy. Well, that's what Sharitha you know what I mean? said. She's already getting the money. Sharitha was interviewed and she said, I'm so damn sick of getting 100,000 calls about this. There's no way in hell I would have murdered Tupac. For what reason? The ridiculous theory that I would get half a death row? I already have half a death row. When Tupac died, exactly. what did death row become after that? Nothing. So, you know, and the worst part about it, she claims, is that her daughter is always blamed for Tupac, like her dad killed Tupac, or her mom killed Tupac. And so her daughter yeah, would that get would teased suck. about it. Your dad killed Tupac. You know, and, and she, she's like, it's just, it's just ridiculous. So, I mean... Like, your dad probably did kill Tupac. Your dad's Suge Knight, honey. I'm sure Suge was involved bad. in more things than we know about. Uh, there's also oh, that yeah. this is an interesting theory too. There's a seven day theory. So some fans have pointed out that the number seven pops up a lot in Tupac's oh, life. No. So um, he was shot September seventh, age twenty five. Two and five equals seven. He was pronounced dead at four o three p.m. Four plus three equals seven. Equals seven. And his birthday is June sixteenth. One plus six seven is seven. <laughs> oh my god, it's so coincidental. But what does it mean? Well, his 2003 double album, Better Days, features an outro where Tupac repeats the word 
expect me, ninja, like you'd expect Jesus to come back. I'm coming over and over. He keeps just saying it. It's just repeated. So some believe that the rapper is going to return seven years after his death. Well, he didn't, and they're still waiting. <laughs> Bless them. So you wonder why this, you know, why these, the mythology continues. Why people are still wondering who shot Biggie? Who shot Tupac? Why are there documentaries and books still being written about this ad nauseum? Well, it's because they sell. You know, I think, um, I think there's a lot of the media kind of feels confirmation bias because they only discuss information that adds to the conspiracy. Kind of like what we're seeing what's happening with, uh, with, uh, Dwayne, you know, they're, they're yeah. not revealing many details. They're like, Oh, we got a laptop. we got an iPhone, but they're not saying anything about why they were. Is it even connected the investigation. to Tupac? Yeah. It's obviously connected to his 2020 warrant. It's but obviously got to be. Think about it. You print this, you, you print an article about this and the media is just going to run with it. It's going to sell more records. You know, I Absolutely. think people, it's kind of like cognitive dissonance with the fans. I think fans don't want to think about, like, I think they want to believe that Tupac might still be alive. That's why you see holograms. Like, his music is still well, popular. They're still selling records. I haven't seen a Biggie hologram. I was wondering. I was about to say. Why isn't these theories for Biggie? Why is nobody like, well, I have all these conspiracies about Biggie being alive? Well, seen in Glasgow. There's no Biggie hologram because I don't think they can make him that wide. Can they? Hey, he's a very <laughs> attractive man. And I 100% would have shocked Biggie. No, there's mind. lots of theories about Biggie as well. But I think Tupac was a bigger selling artist. So I think that's why these mispropagate more for him. And he was the first to die as well, I think. Yeah, and he was the first In to die. In the war. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing, you know. You got like Photoshop photos, you got doctored videos that come out and people just want to believe. It's like conspiracy theories in general. It's like QAnon. You know, people are just going to believe this no matter how inane these theories are. You know, that there's these theories have been circulating for like 30 years and there's no credible evidence that Tupac is still living in Cuba, but yet people still want to believe. You know, I think the mythology is going well, to continue. Uh, what? Well, I suppose we... We also can't go and dig up the body, which people always say. It's like, this is another thing that irks me, right? When people say about Hitler, let's just bring Hitler into this. Why not? We might as well. Because they go, oh, what, why did they burn his body? Why did they get rid of it? It's like, it's easy to see why they burn his body. Because if not, what? If his body fell into German hands, then he's going to be like revered as a martyr. He'll have a, a place that people can go and fucking worship him. It's best that we that they just burn his body. Like, he means nothing. But because well, of that, that's where the conspiracies now begin. Oh, was it the right body? It wasn't him. Hitler got sent to Argentina, blah, blah, blah. I want to see a picture of the body. I want to see it. Do you know what I mean? That's where it comes from. I've got to stop saying, do you know what I mean? You know what I mean, mate? In it. Yeah. In it. But yeah, people don't want to accept fact and they don't want to accept evidence. What they want to do is, is, is believe in these kind of like ridiculous conspiracy theories <gasps> that are completely like unfounded. It's like the Mariah lyrics. Who knows what miracles you can achieve if you just believe somehow you will. All right, I'm going to have to cut you off there. What I want to believe <laughs> is that he's in Glasgow and he's selling DVDs right now. People, Sick. this is episode 905 here, Sick and Wrong. we got some phone calls coming up next. You can call us at 323-522-4032 or even send us an email, sickandwrongpodcast at gmail.com. Just attach an MP3. Keep it under three minutes. Uh, we're going to get to some good phone calls here this week. Uh, but first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. It's Butt Plug Month on AdamandEve.com. 
Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. Okay, Rambo, we got a couple phone calls here to get to. Uh, this one I've actually been looking forward to playing. I've been saving it for a very special moment. Christopher Siege calls in about a shoplifter at his work. So these nice. are some of my favorite calls because Siege has great stories of having to deal with crackheads that come into the supermarket, yeah. and he's a security, so he has to deal with it. So here's a shoplifter who is foiled by his own hubris. Greetings, D and Cade. It's your old pal, Christopher Siege here. Some say he's a man of mystery. Some say he's a man of intrigue. Others say he's a man with a bullshit haircut. But regardless, I am he, and he is I. What's, what's Siege's hair looking like these days? It, it does looking change. awesome. Siege just had like a makeover, and he looks like a 90s movie villain at the minute. He looks fucking cool. He's been putting pictures on the Discord. I'm just like, you fucking, you are rocking this summer, man. It's like right. shaved short and bleach blonde, and he fucking suits it. So he looks, he looks like great. he could be in Die Hard or something? He looks, yeah, could be German uh, villain in Die Hard, but we, I think we were all going for the Wesley Snipes. Uh, oh. I think Atheist Preacher was saying Wesley Snipes uh, demolition. Man, you got to do that costume for Halloween, and you obviously got to do blackface. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have to I have to log on to Discord and check it out. Uh, call, just calling in, and uh, haven't done this for quite a while now, actually, but because uh, uh, something really fucking hilarious happened at work today. Uh, for those who may remember or may not know, I used to work at a grocery store. I was the freezer manager in uh, uh, Victoria, uh, an area of Victoria that uh, is infamous for being just loaded with junkies, like crackheads, homeless people, and yada, yada, yada. Well, I don't live there anymore, and I don't work there anymore. Uh, I live in a very, like, much smaller, more shithole town on Vancouver Island. Um but I'm working at another grocery store as, um, well, the grocery store that I'm working at also happens to be the part of this town where all the like junkies and crackheads and homeless people and whatnot hang out. So he could never escape it. It's like he just moves from one crackhead grocery store to the next. You know what's funny is I have another friend on vancouver island and she posts the most gorgeous pictures of sunset and just like all the beautiful flora and fauna of vancouver island and you just think there would never there would just never be a crackhead epidemic in this most beautiful of places <laughs> but see, yeah there obviously is on vancouver i would look personally love to be rich enough to have a cabin like on the like overlooking like half moon bay in vancouver island it's just so gorgeous up there you know it's going to get swallowed up into the earth when the big one hits. Yeah, they say that about California too. Um, no, I mean, it is legit going to get swallowed into the earth. Vancouver Island and Vancouver are just going to disappear. And I think sure. Portland will too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. That's what they say. So is Seattle. That's what it's they gone. say, man. It's going to be gone, man. Um, she obviously doesn't shop at uh, Christopher Siege's uh, store. <laughs> or those pictures wouldn't be no, she's too so idyllic. <laughs> Uh, I guess this is just my lot in life to be working grocery and uh, fighting like street people all the time. 
It's like a superhero. Uh, anyway, so today, uh, this old, I was at like work, him. and this old guy comes up to me and asks me if I can get a shopping cart for him because there was none at, at the front of the store. And this guy had like a breathing tube and whatnot. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go check. So I walk out the. Wait, did he have like one of those voice boxes? Can you get me a shopping cart? Hello, Sonny. <laughs> I nice bring them hair. back. Uh, uh, exit of the store into the mall by the way uh first time ever in my life i've worked at a grocery store that's in a mall it's a very shitty rundown mall but a mall nonetheless Amazing. so i walk in it is weird to think about malls still existing like did you guys do you guys even have malls we don't call them malls we call them shopping centers and we would travel like so you've got like Aflex palace in manchester you've got the corn exchange in leeds uh there's a huge one in Glasgow too, and we would just like travel to them. It would be like a day out. But now, fuck it, you don't need a mall anymore. It's in that shopping. Yeah. Who I needs don't... to ever leave the house again? Well, the thing in LA, they have these outside malls. It's a big thing here. We went to the Grove, but you've never been to the, the Americana. Grove is different to a mall, though. It's yeah. I want to go mall. to like a real Americana mall. Like I watch all the the Dan Bell malls are dying bright sun films. You know where they walk around them. And there, there's just mall walkers in there, and all the shops are shut. And maybe there was, maybe there was stabbings inside. What was your town mall? He was they, uh, Dan Bell featured that one, the Hampton Town Center. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I sent you that video. Very too, nostalgic. You yeah, now, I mean that was I grew up in during mall culture, you know, Mid America mall culture, and it was very popular in the '90s. But yeah, why do you need a mall anymore? Like, why do you even want to go to one? And the other thing I hate so, about malls is you go and they never have your shit. They just never have shit. They're like, order it online. I'm like, fuck you. Why do you exist? What's your purpose in life? I Personally, I wouldn't call the Grove a mall. I'd be like, that's like a, a mini, a mini mall, but it's very bougie. It's I'd very be like, bougie. What was the, what's, is it the Cheesecake Factory at the mall? I want to go there. Yeah, that, well, that's at the Grove. But in Glendale, they have the Americana, which is like the Grove. It's all outside. But then they have the Glendale Galleria, which is a real mall. I want to go to inside. the Galleria. Yeah. It What's, sucks. Is it the other mall in Glendale that's got like pirate boat themed? Is it the, is it the Galleria? That's all like Western themed. It's one of the walls has got, is Western themed. I'm not sure. They talked Maybe. about it on Hollywood Crime Scene. Maybe it is the Galleria. But I want to go to like just a real 1980s. We could reenact Fast Time. You know what we'll do is we'll go to the food court and I'll reenact, you know, at Fast Times at Ridgemont High when Phoebe Cates is showing Jennifer Jason Lee how to give a blowy. I'll reenact that scene for you in public at the food court. That would be kind of cool. I'd like to see that. What I, what I like about the food court in uh, at the Glendale Galleria, because I used to the Scientology company is near there, so I used to we used to go eat at that food court a lot. There's also like a like a home for retarded children. That's like not that far. Oh, I can, no. So you just I'm have a gaggle it. of retarded no. kids just running around the mall. Some of them tethered, some of them untethered, <laughs> and they're just running all around the food court. It was amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm like steel. I w I won't be able to eat for weeks if I see that. If I if that comes within, a, if they have food and they're eating in front of me, I can't do it. I will I will puke. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing you reenacted that blowy scene, but with a bunch of in retarded of children running around. <laughs> Be fun. What are you trying to say? <laughs> the mall to look and see if there's any like carts corralled up. There are none. And well, I look out the to my right out the uh, uh, 
entrance slash exit to the mall. And I see at a cart corral outside, there's uh, just one cart like chilling out there. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'll just go grab that one for him. Uh, to my left, as I'm walking, there's a, there's a liquor store there. And this guy, this like, like junky looking guy just comes barreling out of the store holding two bottles of booze. He's clearly shoplifted. <laughs> And uh, he runs to the egg, to the exit of the mall, and right as he gets out, he swings around and la it, laughing his ass off. He's like, huh, "Bye!" And as he like turns back around, he stumbles and drops both bottles, and they fall on the ground and smash to pieces. Oh, <laughs> uh, it. Uh... Uh, at that moment, I was like, uh, uh, there is like a, a small amount of justice in the world. Anyway, fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, keep it sick. Keep it wrong. Bye bye. That's like poetic justice right there. Bye. Siege <laughs> <laughs> has been coming out with some cracking stories because he, he said he works at a supermarket that's near to where all the rich people come and land their yachts. So there's been all these, like, all the cruise ships will come and drop off all these, like, really rich yuppie types. And they're just coming into his supermarket, which is obviously, like, in a bit of a junky area and just asking him ridiculous questions. So every day he's got a question about, like, why do they want to know, like, what where the deli is? Because they're from Germany and delis aren't in supermarkets. Yeah, they probably just don't Stuff understand Stuff like that. It. Yeah. But they're just being mean cunts because they don't understand. See, I try and always be nice when I'm abroad, but some people don't. The other day I was in my Rite Aid up the street, um, which I always talk about, oh, but that's usually now. where I buy liquor because it's cheap. And there was a crackhead in there that tried to steal two, like, 24-packs of Modelo. I mean, that's like a huge thing of beer. What? It's like a big 24-pack of beer. And he tried was carrying Was he just walking these... out with them? Yeah, just tried walking right out, right past the security guy. And the security guy's like, what you doing, man? And he's just like, nothing. And he just tries to get out, and the guy, like, stops him. And then he's like, fuck. And he takes one of the cases and just whips it right through the door, like right through the glass. And but then isn't he, that just going to smash on the other side? Like, all the cans will be dented. You know? I think at that point. Lose all your booze. At that point, I think he just wanted to be destructive. Because then he took off. And believe it or not, they called the LAPD, and LAPD actually did something. They actually caught the guy. I was amazed. He didn't really make it very far. He, I think he was definitely on one because he like threw it through the window or through the door, the glass door, smashed the door, took off, but didn't like leave the area. He just kind of was there ranting in the street, and okay. LAPD actually came within like 10 minutes. And Is that the, the proper sound security guard at the right aid as well? You know, he's like the old guy, the old black guy. No, this is like a, and he, there's a new guy. He always guy. says hello. There's a new guy. This guy's like a, he's like a bigger Mexican looking guy. All right. I like the overall guy because when you come in, he's always got like a little quip. He's like, hello. He's like, there's a well, new he, cashier I mean, there. You would always say hello or you'd just be like, doing some drinking tonight when you go out. And usually I'm just not in the mood to be like, yeah, I'm obviously doing some drinking because I have like 12 bottles of wine on me. But you'd just be like, yep. <laughs> and he would just say something funny. He's just got nice energy to him. There's a new like cashier him. there that like is also an older black gentleman. But he's just got like so much bling. Like it's like these gold, oh, like I kind of like him. costume jewelry, just, you know, flickering diamonds <laughs> just on his arms. You know, and yeah, he looks, he yeah. looks pretty amazing with a big gold chain. 
pretty cool. Well, I love my costume jewelry and I think it's highly underrated and I wear a lot of obscene costume jewelry. So me and him, I'd be like, where'd you get that? Yeah, I, Which gallery, I do Did wonder. you get that at the Galleria? Which stall? I mean, I'm he going. basically looks like a pimp and he's working the register and he's an older guy too. I, he's one of my favorite people that works there. Anyway, yes. good to hear from you, Christopher Siege. I'll have to go on to Discord Always. and check out your hair. Um, the next call we have here is another vasectomy story, but this time it comes from uh, a listener named Cody, who God, I've been friends with for so many years. Like I've known her since like the mid aughts, but uh, apparently, she, but her... she hasn't aged a day. Apparently. No, she still looks. I mean, she looks way younger than I do. Um, she uh, apparently her husband had a vasectomy, so she's calling in about that. Okay. Hi, Dean Kate. It's Cody from San Francisco. I wanted to call and give my feedback on vasectomy after listening to a caller from last week. Um, I laughed really hard when Dave, you said you didn't want a male nurse because my husband had the fucking ultimate male nurse who was a retired NFL player who was legit six foot six, maybe like 300 pounds. He was super nice and professional, but since my husband didn't do a good enough job with his manscaping, it was super awkward because he had to very aggressively shave my husband with a disposable hospital razor and no shaving cream for an extended period of time and a lot of intimate um, manhandling, which I think... There must have been an awkward boner there. God. It's just torture, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say, please, just like use some water? And I just imagine they're using disposable razors are the worst, anyways. Even on ladies, that they, they, they don't get rid of your leg hair. And I say this is somebody who only sh- can shave their legs once a week because I just don't grow hair on like my whole body. They're shit. So I can't imagine like trying to tackle well, your pubes. In I would have just asked him, "Can I just go to the bathroom and I'll do it?" Sorry, and I would just do it myself. Oh yeah, why did he? Yeah, I don't know, but that's why I'm that's why I'm thinking there must have been an awkward boner. Was probably my husband's second least favorite part of the whole thing. Um, but I I'll, yeah, let me why? back up and say that um, I was in the room, and yes, Kate, I highly recommend it. I was taking photos what? and just soaking up the whole process. It was, this is sadistic. This is sadistic. I mean, I guess men are in the I'm room. I'm totally going to be in the room. I, I guess men are in the room when you're delivering the baby. But yeah, I don't. I, why would you want to watch that? It's sadistic. It's gross. I'm going to do it. And I'm totally going to do my best Princess Diana impression. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to. Why did Princess Diana. Di watch vasect- like Charles get a vasectomy? <laughs> no, there was that whole controversy when she went and saw like open heart surgery and she was one of the first oh. people to ever see it but the, you oh, remember yeah. she wore full-on eyeliner and mascara and everyone was like she shouldn't be wearing mascara it might fall into the heart yeah i <laughs> doubt they would let you i'm surprised they, i don't know where she where he got it done but i doubt they'd let you in the room at kaiser because it's like this like antiseptic environment like everything's like they, they are you saying that i'm not a clean person yeah, you'd have to be me, like wearing scrubs they, they'd make you wear scrubs of course. Do you not think I wouldn't wear the scrubs? It'll be such a fun day for me. I'll totally put on the scrubs. <laughs> Awkward. Boner. <laughs> Quite fun. And this was at UCSF, not at Kaiser. So I don't know what okay. Kaiser's rules right. are. Maybe that's why. Um, and the doctor was playing music. You could pick your own music, but he already had Yacht Rock Damn. on. So we were like, let's just nice. go with that. That's, that's, the, that's the jam right now. 
Um, See, I would have to be, I don't know if I'd want to do something that I actually like because then I'll forever associate that with like some dude shaving my balls. Like I I don't, like I like hauling oats. That's Yacht Rock. I don't want to hear that and then think of, you know, Daryl Hall shaving my nutsack. Like I would probably pick something that I wouldn't normally listen to. Like, you know, you know what song? um, Burt Bacharach. No, the, uh, you know that song by Whitney Houston, the cover she did, the Dolly Parton song? Everyone knows what that song is, but, D. I will, I will always love you. you, right? It was from The Bodyguard, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, are so, you saying that we can listen to Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston while you're getting... This is the turning out to be the best day ever for me. Yes, because... So I never would listen to that music. I, I don't really listen to Whitney Houston. I don't listen to Mariah Carey. And so I, when I got my wisdom teeth pulled... I remember my dad, I don't know why he was in the room for it, because he, he almost threw up. Like he, was, he didn't like seeing blood. I don't know why he went in the room. And the, the dentist oh, was playing just like, you know, mellow music, easy listening music. And so I'll never forget and when yeah. I hear like, you know, and I, it's like all I could feel is it's a crushing of my, my fucking teeth as they're yanking them out. And it was like it made that song just forever will remind me of them extracting my wisdom teeth. So that's why if they play Mariah Carey, I don't mind because. Oh, I would love it. You know, I just I don't listen to it. So I'm not going to be reminded of, you know, my balls being shaved. I do think it's surgeon's discretion, though, because it is their day job at the end of the day. And if they're there and he's like, I want to listen to Dio, I'm all for it. Yeah. Rainbow in Actually, the dark. And Dave, you're going to be on an autopsy table, essentially, completely flat with a curtain between your like head and the lower half of your body. No so stirrup. you can't see anything. And then the paper that covers your lap is going to have a hole cut out of it with your, your balls pulled out of it. <laughs> and they're covered in iodine, <laughs> just like the caller said before. And um, oh there is a brief sizzle of flesh. And it's true, the number one worst part is the digging around for the vast deferens, um, but it's brief. Ugh. And the doctor Ugh. showed me the piece of vast deferens that he cuts out, Ugh. that he splices out, and it looks like a little piece of saucy spaghetti. He had it on the tip of his finger, he showed oh me. God, I'm about to barf. I, I could never watch this. You, this this won't make you sick? Of course it won't. I'll be like, oh, I'm always very intrigued. Every time I've ever gone and got like stitches done or anything I can watch, I've always been like, even during my abortions, they usually turn all my many abortions. When they're like scanning you, they give you an ultrasound to make sure you are like actually pregnant, not just a mentalist being like, look at my uterus. I've always been like, no, show me it. Show me it on the screen. And like, I look at all that stuff and just like, yeah, look at my abortions on the way out spit on them just like fuck you it's God. another one in the toilet pulling out the little fucking vas deferens string you know you'll probably get aroused i bet i'm just it's intrigued with the human body Ugh. if i'd have been a smarter person with like a different type of personality i would have loved to have been a doctor but like let's face it i'm just i'm not that smart to be a doctor but i love all that side Ugh, i can't i can't deal with that puke and um, it was all done in like 20 minutes and Hubs just rested and did ice. And it was like, you know, he had wished he'd done it sooner. It was great, all in all. Um, and also, I wanted to say that you don't have to go to hospital and give your sperm sample. You can get an at-home kit, which is much better. And the other thing I wanted to say is... Um, 
we had a little send-off party before the vasectomy and we made like all weenie inspired like foods and a cake. Um, maybe I'll, I'll copy the, a picture of the cake with my email with this voice message. Uh, she did. She sent in pictures of the dick cake. I'm going to send those to you, Kate Rambo, but I don't want you getting any ideas. No, I think we should totally have a D's got balls party. And then afterwards it would be like, D doesn't have balls, but I want, I want, someone to answer my questions about the sperm like i've always heard i've worked with lots of ladies whose husbands have all had vasectomies and they say that it changes the taste and the texture of the cum and that's my main question like is it going to get waterier because there's less like flavor in there Hmm. like the sperm's probably a giving flavor and once you take the sperms away it's kind of like when you start, you, you know, you'll always use four cloves of garlic and maybe one day you're like, oh, I don't have enough garlic, so I'll use two cloves. And yeah, you but notice it. Maybe it's like Miller and Miller Lite. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I don't know. But there's a difference. Yeah, but maybe it tastes great, less filling. You know, you never know. <laughs> you'll find out. And then when he got in the car after we left, I gave him these things I bought on Amazon called Nutsicles, which by the way, arrived to our apartment building without packaging, just in the (laughs) Nutsicle freaking package, no (laughs) privacy whatsoever. And they were sitting in our lobby when we got home, (laughs) when I got home and I got those, it was kind of awkward, but whatever. Wait, what are those? Are those like things for his nuts? To keep the nuts cool. Keep your nuts cool. Like cooling bags for the nuts. That's that's great. I'm going to have to get those. We'll get you some nutsicles, definitely. Oh, I wouldn't mind using those at work. My nuts get pretty warm at work. <laughs> um, so he got nutsicles, <laughs> like nut-shaped ice packs, and then he got, um, I got him some snowballs, hostess snowballs when he got in the car, and he was so happy. Aww. So anyway, enjoy. Good luck. It's definitely worth the reward. And keep it sick, keep it wrong. We'll talk later. Bye. I'm either going to need nutsicles or you just to blow on them. You know, just like a cooling breath like you would on hot soup. Or I could get like a fan, like like what the Romans would use, like one of those stand-up leaf fans. I could, I could, I could see like that. Like a, waft yeah. one of them. Yeah, I could see direction. that, like a feather fan or something. That, that could work. Uh, well, thank you, Cody. Uh, that was very enlightening. I think I... Um, I'm going to be sick now, just thinking about the spaghetti no, deference. No, Fantastic yeah. phone call, and it definitely gives me an idea that we should have a send-off for your fertility. Yeah. And we could make it like a fertility gods-themed like, ep- like episode. Yeah, <laughs> I was how thinking about of we the episode of Frasier when he gets the fertility god statue, but we could do something like that. Yeah, how about we don't do that? And thank you, Cody, for uh, filling Kate <laughs> with all these ideas. Really appreciate thank that. You. But I do agree. I do agree. I do want to get, I need to get a vasectomy. And it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. Um, and I probably will after you move here, because I know a lot of these places, they won't do it unless you have someone to pick you up and drive you back. Well, so you're going to have to learn how to drive. And then we'll, we'll schedule an appointment to get my nutsack butchered. Anyway, people call the Cigar Hotline 323-522-4032 or send us, some, send us a, uh, an MP3 at gmail.com. Once again, thank you to all the listeners who support us on Patreon and on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you helping keeping the show going every week. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong or just go to Apple Podcasts. It's right there on the app. 
Also, you can buy some Sigurong merch at the T Public Store, sigurongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. And uh, finally here, Sigurong Song of the Week. Got to end it with Tupac. And this isn't my favorite Tupac song, but it's one of them because it it fills me with a lot of uh, pleasurable memories. So when I used to work at the strip club, all strip club DJs have their arsenal of songs that they play for girls that don't tip. And you can't go too crazy. Like you can't play like Ween, you know, HIV song or spinal meningitis. I mean, sometimes you can, but you can't go too crazy because usually the, the owners of the strip club would be upset. But this is one song, it was a hip-hop song that worked really well. And, you know, some girls didn't mind. Some girls really did mind. But if they didn't tip me and if they didn't tip the, 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 you know, the bar staff and security, this is a song I'd play for them every time they got up on stage. Wonder Why They Call You Bitch from uh, Tupac. <laughs> it's off his album All Eyes on Me, which came out in 1996. I love this song. It's hilarious. Anyway, people, we'll be back next week with episode 906. Till then, take it sleazy. Wonder why they call you bitch. 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 Look here, Miss Thang. Hate to solve your game, but you's a money young woman and you need to change. In the locker room, all the homies do is laugh. High fives, cause another nigga played your ass. It was said you was easy, even easy. Sleeping around for what you need. See, it's your thing and you can shake it how you wanna. Give it up free or make your money on the corner. But don't be bad, play the game. Get mad at change. Then you wonder why these motherfuckers call your name. Still looking for a way out. And that's okay, I can see you when it's straight as a way out. Keep your mind on your money and roll in school. And as the years pass by, you can show them fools. But you ain't trying to hear me cause you're stuck. You're heading for the bathroom, about to get tossed up. Still looking for a rich man. You dug a ditch, got your legs up, trying to get rich. I love you like a sister, but you need to switch. And that's why they called you bitch. I bet ya. You wonder why they call you bitch? You wonder why they call you bitch? I bet you. You wonder why they call you bitch? 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 Bet you. You wonder why they call you bitch? You wonder why they call you bitch? You leave your kids with your mama cause you're heading for the club in the skin tight mini skirt looking for some love got the legs wide open while you're sitting at the bar talking to some niggas about his car I guess he said he had a Lexus what's next you head to his car for some sex I passed by can't hold back tears aside cause lord knows for years I tried and all the other people on my block ain't your guts then you wonder why they stare and call you slut it's like your mind don't understand you don't have to kill your dreams plot schemes on the man keep your head up legs close Close eyes open, either a nigga wear a rubber or we die smoking. I'm hearing rumors, so you need to switch. And niggas wouldn't call you bitch. I bet you. You wonder why they call you bitch. You wonder why they call you bitch. I bet you. You wonder why they call you bitch. You wonder why they call you bitch. I bet you. You wonder why they call you bitch. You wonder why they call you bitch. I bet you. You wonder why they call you bitch. You wonder why they call you bitch. I guess time's getting hard, even harder for you Cause hey now, got a baby on the way now More money from the county And thanks to the welfare You about to get your hair done You got a dinner date, can't be late Trick or treat, sweet thing, got another trick to me The way he did it, it was smooth Plotting while he came with you So baby, beat the rules I should have seen it in the first case The worst case, I should have never called you back in the first place I remember back in high school, baby You was fast, straight sex When you move your ass But now things change Cause you don't look the same Let the ghetto get the best of you
circle, HIV, and now you're about to be deceased, and finally be at peace, so where your niggas at now, cause everybody left, they step, and left you on your own, see I loved you like a sister, but you died too quick, and that's why we called you bitch, I bet you. You wonder why they call you bitch. You wonder why they call you bitch. You wonder why they call you bitch. You wonder why we call you bitch. I bet you bitch. You wonder why we call you bitch. You wonder why we call you bitch. I bet you bitch. You wonder why we call you bitch. You wonder why we call you bitch. Dear Mr. Lawrence Tucker, you keep stressing me. Really fucking with a motherfucking mind. I figured you wanted to know, you know, why we call them hoes bitches. Maybe this might help you understand. It ain't personal. No, strictly business, baby. Strictly business. So if you wonder why we call you bitch, you wonder why we call you bitch. If you wonder why we call you bitch, you wonder why we call you bitch. Holla back exclusive, baby. Holla back. <laughs> 